0: So in Exodus 25, verse 40, God says to Moses, He says, be be sure, be certain to build according to the pattern that I show you on the mountaintop. Be sure, be certain that you build in the earth what I show you on the mountaintop, exactly according to the pattern. And that kind of frames... The, 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 the whole book of Exodus really and the whole journey of the children of Israel and it frames Moses' mission. And I think that that one of the most important things is that, that we recognize that our assignment in the earth is to, to hear from heaven, to receive a picture from heaven. They will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the, 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 there's an uh, imperative... On leadership to make sure that though we execute in the earth, there's a communication, there's a connection with heaven. What what we're trying not to to build what everyone else is building around in the earth. What we're doing is we're trying to be authentic. We're trying to be devoted to what God has shown us on the mountaintop. And so so there's 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 a pattern that God has. He says, I want you to be sure to build it according to the pattern that I showed you on the mountain because he's saying that because there's gonna be times where if if you look around you, you can kind of cut a corner here or compromise there or you know water this down over here. And so he says, this is what I want you to do. Then we get to this chapter 25. Then we get to Exodus 32. Exodus 32 is hilarious. (laughs) It's hilarious. Exodus 32 is Moses is still up on the mountain and the, the children of Israel come to Aaron and they say to Aaron, Aaron, as for this Moses guy, we don't know what's happened to him. Come, make us gods, you know, that we may worship. Aaron has, a, has an opportunity to say, well, hang on, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? He's up there interceding for you. He's up there on the mountaintop pressing into God. But Aaron is insecure. It's really interesting. Moses is is away, hearing from God, getting the vision from God, getting the pattern from God of what he's to build for God. And while while the man of God is doing that, the people come to Aaron, and it's no coincidence that they come to Aaron, because uh, and it's so funny because Aaron's the priest; he's the priest. He has the turban, you know. He's got all the garments, you know, that they just, you know, in front of all the people, they they dressed him, him and his sons, and they anointed him and they slaughtered a bull and, you know, sprinkled the blood on him. And he's now the, you know, he's now the the new anointed guy. He's the new hire. You know, he's the the guy. And the people come to him and they say, um, you know, make us gods. And so this is my paraphrase. Aaron says, well, actually there's an artistry in me that y'all haven't seen yet. I've got gifts that, well, you know, the, the priesthood thing over here doesn't really let me show you, but now that you're asking, you recognize some potential. Let me, let, let me show you what I can do. Give me your gold earrings. And the Bible says he took the gold earrings and he fashioned it into a calf. Wow, Aaron, I didn't know you were so artistic. Oh yeah, there's a lot of things about you and me you don't know. And he goes, look, here is the gods that brought you out of Egypt. And I mean, it's just insane. But it's very interesting. It's a golden calf. It's not a golden bull. It's a golden calf. It's, it's youth. It's young. It's, it's, it's potential is unrealized yet untapped. It's, it's, it's got longevity. It's got days ahead of it. It's it's virile, it's strength, but at the same time, it's it's a golden calf. It's a calf. A calf requires somebody take care of it. Somebody lead it. Somebody feed it. it calves they're, they're branded. There's a psychology in there that that unfortunately leads to to socialism. It's in the back of our subconscious that, that we, we want people to recognize our youth, recognize our potential, but the, the deepest longing for human beings is for someone to take care of us, and we will compromise government, we will compromise authority, we will compromise leadership if someone would... We don't even mind being branded. Wow. That's why a mark on their right hand or on their forehead is is that, because people will the, the default to, to seeing yourself, because what you become what you worship. You become what you worship. That's why God doesn't want you to worship anything other than Him. You were created to become like Him. You were created in His image to bear His likeness, to carry His imago Dei. That's why He's the only one that you should worship. So they, they worship the, the golden calf because that's the psychology. I, I, I want somebody to see that I'm youthful, that I've got potential, that I've got days ahead, that, that I can produce, that I can be productive, that I can be blessed. But, but at the end of the day, I want to be let out and let in. I want to be fed. I want to be stalled. And, and I don't even mind being branded, you know, with, with his brand. And and, and so... so God says to Moses on the mountain, he says, quick, turn around, get back down the mountain. The people have have made, made an idol. And as they're coming down the mountain, Joshua hears the sound, hears a sound in the camp. And he says to Moses, he says, Moses, Moses, there's a sound of war in the camp. There's a sound of warfare in the camp. And the Bible says Moses listens and he says, ah. It's not the sound of weeping in defeat, and it's not the shout of victory as in overcoming. This is the sound of singing and revelry. And when, when I read that, it just, it just really jumped out at me as I began to look at the church around the world. I, I would say that, that we were good at singing. I would say that we were releasing great songs all over the world from different movements. But I think one of the great dangers is when the church moves from war to adore. Now I'm not trying to say that we don't adore God. I'm not trying to say that we don't worship and the church shouldn't be known for its singing and its devotion. But isn't it interesting, Aaron compromises, builds a golden calf and there's no longer a sound of war. Let me just say this, Jesus said, I will build my church, same sentence, I will build my church, same sentence, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church advances in warfare. The church increases in warfare. The church fulfills its mission in warfare. The church cannot sing its way into breakthrough. Did you know the Bible says that, that, that the, the children of Judah could not drive out the Jebusites? The children of uh, uh, Judah, Judah is, is where Jerusalem is. It's in the Judean region. The, Jerusalem was previously Jebus owned by the Jebusites. David takes it, he, he drives out the Jebusites and Judah was meant to drive them completely from the land. But the Bible says Judah could not. Could not drive them out. Judah means praise, that there are some demonic spirits that aren't shifted just in praise. because then it goes on a few verses later in, in the book of numbers uh, sorry, in the, the book of judges, to say that, that Benjamin did not drive them out. So Judah could not, Judah means praise. Benjamin did not. Benjamin, Benjamin means "son of my right hand." means strength, means authority, the right hand. So isn't it interesting that, that praise, there's some things that praise, there's some things that the church alone, the devil doesn't, he doesn't want us to worship. But if, he, if we do worship, he doesn't want us to go from worship to war. He doesn't want, so, so Aaron comes down, sorry, so Aaron's down, Moses and Joshua come down and there's a, there's a sound in the camp, but they've, the, the sound is not warfare. We, we have to continually be a church that understands we are engaged in a spiritual battle and understand that the, the things that people will sling at an advancing church just, just tells you what's in them. So the people that say hate, they are filled with hate. The people that say, you know, you guys are, are judgmental, they're the ones who are judgmental. The people who cry racist, demons always identify themselves. The people scream racist are the racists. The people that, that scream hate are the haters. Whatever, that, demons will always identify themselves. So, so you need to understand, in fact, if you don't hear that, you're not really advancing in any territory. You're not treading on anybody's toes. The church is here to increase in the earth. To increase for the kingdom of God must mean therefore that the kingdom of darkness decreases. There's only two kingdoms in the Bible, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the devil, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of righteousness and the kingdom of wickedness. If the kingdom of God advances, the kingdom of the devil has to retreat. The devil doesn't like retreat. He wants to own the earth. He wants to rule over the earth. The biggest pain to the devil is the advancing church. He doesn't mind a singing Woka Cola Kumbaya church, but he hates a church that has spiritual warfare. There must be the sound of war in the church. We can never lose war. We must sing songs of war. David said in Psalm 144, 1 and 2, he says, blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. David understood because he was the guy, he was in the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament, which we encourage, you, there's never an, a, a direct exercising of demons. Jesus was the one that identified and pulled out Satan and the demonic realm and exposed it for everybody to see. But David did. David, under the Davidic anointing, under the same anointing that, that Jesus would carry, but without measure, uh, would minister on his harp to Saul, who was under a demonic influence. And when, he would, when David would play, the demonic thing could not handle what David would play, and so it would leave and Saul would be refreshed. So David writes Psalm 144 verse, blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He understands that there's a warfare that happens in the spirit. The assignment of our church in San Diego, the assignment of our church in Salt Lake City, the assignment of our church in Boise, Idaho, is to shift the demonic over the city. And we can't do that just with kumbaya songs. Now we need kumbaya songs, we, we we need devotion songs, but the church must understand that there's gotta be the sound of war in the camp. That There are moments where, where there is weeping with defeat, but we pick ourselves up, we encourage one another, we re-rally again, and then we launch out again. It is warfare that we. when you see the divorce statistics, there's something wrong with the church. If we're just singing Kumbaya, when you see how many, how many kids they're trying to mutilate with, with, with trans surgeries that they're trying to line up and they're trying to take parents' voices away and parental rights away that if your child identifies and you don't, you know, condone and give them puberty blockers and line them up to, to be permanently mutilated, then we, the the government, the state wants to take your child away and label you a bigot and a, a homophobe and a transphobe you better believe there's some warfare. You better believe there's warfare when the, when fentanyl is coming across the border in droves because we have a corrupt government that is on the take working with the cartels. Meanwhile, people are dying of fentanyl overdoses and, and human trafficking and human smuggling and prostitution and child abuse and sexual abuse and pedophilia going through the roof. If, if the church is just over here singing, are you kidding me? The churches are meant to be singing and playing Kumbaya and having church picnics and church barbecues and and the church is having a gala. A gala? Oh, what are you doing at the we the, the church is meant to be warfare. We're meant to be warfare. The problem is, the problem is that most churches don't like warfare. I was watching this this video of this pastor saying, "Well, the reason we don't get in, involved in politics is because, you know, most pastors don't don't they they know what's coming on their inbox on a Monday." If they preach if they preach politics and if they preach, engage the culture on a Sunday, oh, their inbox is going to be, oh, wow. Can you imagine that pastor's going to get to heaven and he's going to stand there with some people who, who were you know, lived in the first century, who were cut in half or torn apart or used in the gladiator stadiums of, of, of Rome to, to light up the place, who were you know, beheaded and torn apart by wild beasts. And uh, how did you stand for Christ? Well, you know, <laughs> I didn't want a full inbox. I was cut in half. I was beheaded. I was strapped to a pole, covered in tar and lit up, burned for my faith. And you don't want a full inbox. Dear Jesus, the church cannot step back from warfare. We cannot step back from warfare. That's why, that's why I, I, just, I just love, I look, honestly, and the most beautiful thing is never take it personally. Never take it personally. Like I, I, didn't, I didn't ask for San Diego. I was blessed to be called to San Diego. I'd never been to San Diego before. I didn't ask for, for Coronado. But beautiful Pastor Mike and Katie said, Pastor, I just think our next campus is Coronado. I didn't hear a no. I'm like, flip, let's go for it. I had no idea the Coronado, the crowned, that the crown sits there. I had no idea. That, but the warfare is good. Yeah. The, warfare, the warfare is good. The warfare identifies that we are actually advancing the kingdom, that we are taking territory. They, they, you know, and it's so funny. They had to, they had to bus in because, you know, almost 1,000 people turn up for Awaken Church launch. And they had, you know, 60 people that most of the locals like, we didn't know that person, that person, that person. They, they, they bust people in to try to make it look like. The media covers, oh, and the protesters, they don't want hate here. Well, they're the ones hating. They're the ones flipping off the bird and, you know, yelling obscenities at people. We're loving on the people. But the people are beginning to see that. God, God will have victory. God will have victory. Because I know what we're bringing. I know what we're bringing. We are bringing transformation. We are bringing restoration. The marriages that are on the rocks. We have Navy SEALs out there who are going through buds, who who uh, you know form our our SEAL teams. Five, six. They're, they're the ones who go out. And, and fight to protect our liberties and freedoms. You better believe they need to know that there's a church that is praying for them. They'd be, better, they, there better be a church that is covering them in prayer. So when they're in the heat of battle and they're outnumbered and they're, they're on an assignment that is, that is a death mission, they know that there are angels beside them because there's a praying church. They need to know that there's a praying church looking after their wives and their babies back home. They need to know that they don't need to go the way that... that you know, 90 something percent of marriages end in divorce in because of deployment and the, the, the lifestyle, that, that their marriage is gonna be different, that their family is gonna be different, that their legacy is gonna be different. We have to be a church uh, that understands warfare. Just get used to it, the church is meant to have warfare. We're meant to have warfare but we know what we're bringing we know that this is not a, a man idea this is a god mission we carry the mission of god to bring his life into the earth to do that demons will scream because they don't like giving up territory but we're not here to coexist with them the, one of the most evil bumper stickers was the coexist bumper sticker but we're not coexisting with the evil we're not coexisting with the demonic we're not going to say hey devil if you leave us alone we'll leave you alone we're not here we're here to drive his at, sorry at, out of the out of the city we're going to drive him out wherever we find him we're driving him out whether that's in education whether that's in the city whether that's in politics wherever we see the demonic in the school libraries, you better believe you get this freaking perversion out the the greatest thing is the innocence of our children they're only innocent once and you're trying to defile them with this garbage you better believe we got something to say about it i, I i'm 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 kind of sad for the church that just kept stepping back. Well, you know, we just want to sing. We don't want warfare. So we're not going to talk about abortion. We're going to sing. We don't want warfare. So we're not going to talk about sexual purity. We just want to sing. You know, we don't want warfare. So we're not going to talk about the, the sanctity of marriage. We're going to, I uh, did. How, how, how far are you going to go? If you, We cannot be the church when Moses comes down from the mountain is just singing in revelry, partying, because they all end up backslidden. They all end up backslidden. And so Moses, Moses then says to Aaron, What the heck have you done? What the heck have you done? And Aaron's response is, The people. He says, You know what they're like? Bad leaders always blame the people. Bad leaders never take responsibility. The people did it. It was the people. So come with me. This is, so this is all introduction Exodus 33. Exodus, I love Exodus 33. It's just so beautiful. Exodus 33. So what, what do you do? I mean, it's a mess. It's a mess. Moses comes down. It's a mess. So then the Lord says to Moses in verse one, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob saying to your descendants, I will give it and I will send my angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanite the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusites go up to a land flowing with milk and honey for I will not go up in your midst lest I consume you on the way for you are a stiff necked people. I mean, just, it's just, understand this about about God and this is probably the thing that I've seen in my life over the years that God has remained faithful to me even when I've been unfaithful to Him. The Bible says, if we deny him, he'll deny us. If we disown him, he'll disown us. But if we're faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. God is always faithful. God is always faithful. God said, I made a promise and I will fulfill my promise. You jack wagons have already ditched me at the very first stop. You traded me for some idol that you've made. And he says, so you know what? I'm going to, fulfill my promise but I can't go with you because it will endanger you if I turn up in your camp like we talked about like I asked Moses to build a tabernacle so I can go with you but if I do that because you guys are so stiff-necked and rebellious I'll consume you in a moment I don't want to consume you so I'd rather just be distant I'll just fulfill my promise but I love Moses. Moses Moses said no God unless you go up we're not going. And God's like, well, hang on, it's a conundrum. He's like, if I come into the midst, these people are full of idolatry and compromise and complaining and negativity and bitterness and backsliding, and it's a mess. If I come into the midst of the camp, I'll, I'll, people, my judgment will break out because I have to judge sin and, and I'll consume them. And so I'm just going to send my angel. And, and, and Moses says, not good enough. And God said, like, what are you talking about? He's like, it's a conundrum, God, but you fix it. You you need to you need to figure this one out, God, because unless you take us up, we're not going. And God's like, but, but I'm going to fulfill my promise. I'm going to give you my power. You're going to possess what I told you. You're going to go to a land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to enter into my promises. You've got my promises, my power, my possessions, my provision. You've got all of it. How many churches would settle for God's presence? God's, uh, sorry, would settle for God's power, God's promises, God's possession. Man, we're taking territory. But you know, there's no presence. But they've got great buildings. You know, they've got great logos. Their money's in the bank. Everybody's flourishing. Everything's doing well. They're taking territory. Moses says, unless we have your presence, I don't care about all the other stuff. All the other stuff without you. That's why God chose Moses. And and how how beautiful. Because God says to Moses, get away from all the people. Get, get away from them. Because I'm going to wipe them out and I'm going to start all over again with you. I'm going to make of you a great nation. Now remember, the people come to Aaron and say, Hey, Aaron, why don't you be our leader? And without a moment's notice, he he steps up and says, You know, well, let me show you what else I can do. I've always considered myself an an artist, a sculptor. His first first moment, Moses is away and his first moment of ego, he fails. God says to Moses, get away from all the people, I'm gonna consume them and I'll make of you a great nation. And Moses says, hang on God, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you do that, think about it, just think about it. The Egyptians will say, ah, it was with ill intent. God delivered them out. He brought them out of Egypt just to kill them in the wilderness. God, what's that going to do to your reputation? How will people see you? Moses was there to serve God. To Aaron, God was there to serve Aaron. Moses now comes down from the mountain, you know, with with the ten, he breaks the Ten Commandments, that's why he's got to go back up. He breaks the Ten Commandments, smashes them at at the, 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 the foot of the mountain. And he's got to deal up deal now with with this broken culture. Can I just say to you that that you, you you've got to have a pattern as a leader as a leader in the kingdom. You cannot allow the world, the education systems, the university systems of the world give you a pattern for leadership. You've got to get a biblical pattern of leadership. You know, Aaron was a leader. They came to him, say, hey, compromise, you know, make us gods, you know, you lead us. As for this Moses, we don't know. But Moses is, is the one cleaning up ill spirits. He's cleaning up insecurity. He's cleaning up ego. He's, he's, he's teaching, and it's very interesting, beautiful pastor, someone I don't think we're going to get there. With with time this morning, but Pastor, someone was talking about how Bezalel and Oholiab were skilled, skilled gifts, skilled artisans, and 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 they they were commissioned to lead the people that had skills, and I, and I love that because th- why, why why didn't God just say, hey, it doesn't matter about skill, you know, whoever's got they got a good heart, they got a good heart, you know, they're up there on the worship team. I love you and I live, you know, and they, you know, they, they can't really, they don't really have skill in singing, but they got a beautiful heart. Like, you know, the pilot doesn't, hey, I've never flown a plane before, but I got a beautiful heart. (laughs) Like, I'm getting off that plane. I don't care about how, how, how beautiful their heart is. I want to know, do they have skill? The house of God must be a house of excellence. It's got to be built in a spirit of excellence. Why? Because Psalm 8 says, "O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So God says the people with skills, the people with skills get to build because it, it has to, the earth has to reflect. It has to reflect the excellence of heaven. And then I love it. And the people brought offerings so much so that Moses had to restrain the people from giving. Oh, that's, that's one of my favorite scriptures and it's one of the saddest scriptures. I'm like, come on, Pastor Jesse. That's what we've got to get to. Where we've got to, we've got to. Well, you stop giving? We're right. We're shutting down push pay because you're giving too much. We don't know what to do with all this surplus. We don't have a big enough vision and mission for all the money that's coming. I mean, wouldn't that be a fantastic day? And uh, but the, the, the Bible says people's hearts were stirred. People's hearts were stirred. Now this is a few chapters down. So what I love about Moses is in between the idolatry and in between the the insecurity and the ego and and another culture coming in. Isn't it interesting that Aaron is Moses's brother chosen to be the priest and he he immediately redirects them away from worshiping God, saying it's God, but really it's an idol. See, here's the thing about God. God says, you know, um, Moses, the reason that I can't come and be with y'all is because I don't come and fit in with you. You have to figure out how to fit in with me. Because I, before all things, I am. Before anything was, I was. I spoke and it exists. I created, I fashioned everything. I am not changing, I am the unchanging one. But I can't come into your midst lest I consume you Aaron says, well, hang on, we can reshape God. We don't get to reshape God. We don't get to say that Jesus was, was a woke Jesus, that he just went around washing people's feet. He never did. He washed the disciples' feet. He washed the, he washed the people who devoted their lives, who gave everything, who followed with everything. He washed their feet, but nowhere was he washing other people's feet. You know, Jesus is just my, you know, non-judgmental friend. Well, brood of vipers, hypocrites, whitewashed tombs, snakes. It sounds pretty judgy to me. <laughs> Jesus called out evil. He drove out evil. Herod wants to see you. you go tell that fox, is what Jesus said. So, so, but, but that's that's not a palatable Jesus. So, so, so we find our errands and we give them our gold. We give them our offerings. If you'll, if you reshape a, a a God that that is more palatable, something that that we desire, we don't get to change God. We have to figure out how we change, how we adapt to serve Him. There's a pattern. And we have to build everything according to a pattern. There's a pattern. And the pattern must begin with God is preeminent. God is elevated above everything. The, you know, we, we don't sing songs to get to the preaching. We, we, we sing songs because we want to draw God near. God inhabits the praises of these people. I'll never forget one of my, you know, one of my Bible college lectures and Uh, mentors pastor Steve Kelly um, he had had some gentleman walk up to him and uh, you know he had earplugs in his ears and he'd come right up to him made a beeline for him at the end of service and said I didn't like the worship I didn't like the worship and pastor Steve said oh I'm so sorry we weren't worshiping you I don't like the worship there. Well, it's not about you, you jack wagon. It's about him. He likes the worship. When he doesn't like the worship, we're going to change our worship. When he doesn't like the songs, but we're, we're not writing songs for you, we're writing songs for him. We're, our number one attraction is him. We want to attract God. We want to be the God church. you know. So, so there are churches that are seeker friendly. And I remember somebody asked me, hey, and I... The Holy Spirit gave me a beautiful little word. He said, you know, are you guys also doing the seeker-friendly thing? Absolutely we are. Oh yeah, so you don't, oh no, we do all of that and more. We double down on that. I thought you said you were seeker-friendly. We are. We seek God. We are seeker-friendly. We know that God is searching for a man or or a woman who will build a world. We are seeker-friendly. We seek God. We seek God's power. We seek God's presence. We seek God's righteousness. We want to seek God moving in our city. We want to seek God's salvation, seek God's deliverance, seek God's healing. If we compromise the Word of God, we lose its power. But if we preach the Word of God, even though we're getting arrows and stones hurled at us, if we can Keep preaching the Word. The Word has power. If you dilute the Word, you dilute the power. There are people that come into our church and they're unable to have babies. There are people come into our church and they have a a terminal diagnosis. There better be some power in the house. And I don't know if I can compromise the Word and still expect God to show up in power. The Bible says He watches over His Word to perform it. And now my time's out, but I haven't even got to my Scripture. But... Oh, dear God. All right, let me just finish then. So verse 7. So verse 7 says this. So Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. And he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose And each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses' face, to face as a man speaks to his friend. And Moses, he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. Another translation says would linger in the, in the, the presence. The, the key, the key for building according to God pattern, the key for longevity, the key for sanity, the key to, because listen, Everybody is on a journey. Aaron is on a journey. Aaron doesn't get fired. You, you keep reading about Aaron. Aaron doesn't lose his job, doesn't lose his position. He gets rebuked, he gets, you know, chastised by, but he gets mentored and developed by Moses. So we're leading people and people have insecurities, they have egos, they have issues, they have agendas. The, the pressure to compromise and it can wear on a leader. So I don't know any other way to lead what we're leading except every single day I've got to take my tent and I've got to go far from the camp. I've just got, I've just got to separate myself from the emails, from the text messages, from social media, from, from the busyness, from the noise, from the agenda, from the appointments, from the calendar. I've just got to separate all of that and I've got to go and meet with God. And it didn't didn't say that Moses went out there to, to receive instruction. He might have, but it doesn't say. He actually went out to meet with God. And the Bible says that God would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. The Bible does call Moses the friend of God. Sometimes we know God is our boss. God is my, he's the sovereign, he's the, but the invitation is to be friend, even the disciples. Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. I call you friends, to be a friend of God. And the only way you can do that is is to build a relationship with God. It's so easy, so easy, especially in the early years, trying to do everything. How often I knew not to read the Bible for a sermon, but I was time poor, so I was reading the Bible you understand God I'm reading the Bible now if I get a sermon out of it you know okay God I've got two points you are got to give me one more and he's like oh okay I'm just I'm just you just meet with me because you need something that's why the one year Bible is the best thing ever one year Bible every day just read just and just feed your soul you got to disconnect from everything you got to connect with God I find when I connect with God the world I can oh it makes sense again All the mess, all the noise. There's something beautiful. You've got to have, there is nothing more powerful, nothing more powerful than your private devotion. There is nothing more powerful than your private devotion. Because what you do in private will always manifest in public. The scandals that we see with, you know, some of the the preachers. Those things they didn't do on a rooftop, they didn't do, they did them in private. Every single one of us have a private life. So I've made a decision, my private life, I I wanna commandeer for him. Because if if what is private, Jesus says, what is whispered in the inner rooms will be shouted from the rooftops. Then what I want whispered in the inner rooms is the word of the Lord so that it gets shouted from the rooftops. You have a private life, bring that private life and make God the preeminent. I found that if God is the God of my private life, what is shouted from the rooftops will bring him glory and no shade or shame on me. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Come on, just lift your hands high to heaven. Lift your hands high to heaven. Would you stretch your hands out towards Pastor Shelley Griever? Pastor Shelley yesterday spent the entire day down in Mexico, had probably some of the most difficult meetings with some of the transitions that we're doing with the uh, staff and the orphanages down there. Then, Then on the way back, I'm not sure if you've ever come back through the border, but it is hours sitting in the, the queue in the line to get back across the border after having one-on-one meetings with people that were difficult. And Father, we just thank you for this extraordinary minister, this extraordinary woman of God. And I just hear the Lord say, Shelly, God is so pleased with you because you carry his heart. You, you, you didn't do it through email, you didn't do it through letter, you did it. You do, you, you're willing to do what is difficult. You're a good shepherd. And because you're a good shepherd, know this, says the Lord, that I am a good shepherd to your house. I'm a good shepherd to you and Ben. I'm a good shepherd in every sphere, every facet, I've got to be careful, uh, of your world. And the elevation and promotion and blessing and increase are only coming your way. And there's, there's not a, a blessing. It is blessing. It is blessing without a ceiling. God's goodness is flowing and it's goodness that's flowing without a ceiling, without a limit. You're going to see the goodness of God that this year, because you're willing to do what's painful and difficult and tearful this year, I will bring great joy, great laughter, and great blessing into your world. That it's it's almost like you'll eclipse and forget the pain that you went through, but because you're willing to do what's difficult, you're going to see God continue to show up and do what seems to be impossible. You're going to see it again and again and again. Father, bless this beautiful young lady in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 (laughs) David Rominger, can you lift your hands? This is Pastor David from Deutschland. Meine Bruder von Deutschland. Meine liebe Bruder. Um, Just lift your hands, David. Just stretch your hands out towards uh, David. He leads ICF in Willingen, Schwenningen, Tuttlingen, Singen, Freiburg. And what are the other two? Freiburg, Friedrichshafen, und? and Offenburg. I mean, come on. That's just impressive, just with those names. And these are all the campus pastors. Can we welcome all the campus pastors? In fact, all the campus passes, all the campus passes, lift your hands too, stretch your hands out towards these people. All the campus pastors, all the campus, Father, we thank you right now for fresh oil, fresh anointing. We thank you. And the word of the Lord is that God has anointed you junge, you junge Menschen and, and uh, Mädchen to to take and advance the kingdom in Deutschland. In Deutschland. And do not be afraid of the the the, the people in authority. Do not be afraid of their threat, threats. Do not be afraid. For your God who is with you is greater than all. He goes before you. He will protect you. He will lead you. He will guide you. But I see an advancement. I see, I literally see the gospel going forth from your church because you have already not. Diluted. You have not compromised, but you are preaching the word of God. Because of that, you will see the most dramatic conversions, and be, and and the the people who are evil in government authorities they will not be able to stop or contain what God is doing. It will be too great. The people around them will get saved, and Germany is going to experience another great revival, another great revival. The devil tried to turn the lights out, the Licht aus in Deutschland but god is turning the lights back on the light of a nation is the gospel and you're bringing the gospel and the light is coming on and the people who are in darkness and the people who are in sin and in iniquity when the light comes on will feel ashamed and they say my god what are we doing here how did i end up here and they will flee from their sin they will turn from their sin and there's going to be a great revival it's sweeping the land father we thank you for icf we thank you for these great churches we thank you for these great pastors we Thank you for these great leaders. Father, let them build according to the pattern that they hear in heaven and let their lives pattern the things of God to be to be with you each and every day to build their own tabernacle in Jesus' name. Come on, give them a, give them a praise. All right, I know I'm over time. Lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands. M- Moses has to go back up onto the mountain in Exodus 34 and... God says, "I want you to carve out two tablets like the first ones." Now, isn't that interesting? The first ones God brought to brought to him, and he wrote the Ten Commandments. That's Adam, the first man God made with His finger. God fashioned him and brought him into the earth. But the second one, the second Adam, would come through a process. Would come through his seed, her seed. Would come through the woman, and would also carry. God's God's laws the first Adam was was broken the second Adam remains it's a beautiful thing God God is so good that even in he has a plan even in our drop the box break the commandments even in our fails and I don't know who that is today but I just know that God is wanting you to know that he has you he has you so father Draw near to these beautiful people. He has you. He has you on your best days, but he doesn't leave you on your worst. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, he doesn't leave you on your worst. He's there in the highs. He's there in the lows. He's there on the mountaintop, and he's there in the valley. He's there when you're holding the commandments, and he's there when you're dropping them and breaking them. He's there to pick you up. He has a plan in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.